Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Monday, September 11th. This is your FT News Briefing. The G20 summit turned out to be a big win for India, but maybe not so much for the group as a whole. Australia's biggest pension fund is going digital, and PwC is turning down millions of dollars in business. Plus, investors are piling into Venezuelan government bonds as Washington and Caracas inch toward a deal. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The Group of 20 summit came to a close over the weekend in India, and one thing was clear— the alliance between the world's biggest economies is holding on by a thread. Here to talk to me about this is the FT's John Reed in New Delhi. He covered the G20 this year. Hi, John. Hi there. Okay, so usually the big thing to come out of these annual summits is something known as the Leaders' Declaration. It's a joint communique of sorts from the leaders at the G20. So what jumped out at you about this year's declaration? G20 is kind of boring. It's very dull and worthy FT stuff. But everyone, most notably the journalists, focus on the leaders communique because that's where you see the real friction in our world, right? And the point that we were all focused on was the language um, condemning the war in Ukraine, which was carried over from Indonesia's uh, presidency and the Bali summit last year, which basically condemned Russia for its quote-unquote aggression against Ukraine. Whereas that That was agreed a year ago and just barely by the G20. This year, it became clear during India's presidency that there was no way that Russia and China were going to sign off on that. Um, So what happened apparently over the past few days was that the U.S. and other Western countries caved a bit and uh, watered down the language. So now it talks about the war in Ukraine, does not call out Russia by name for what it's doing, deplores, you know, the impact of the war on, um, you know, markets and prices, which is very much the Indian view. So there's this watered-down language about Russian aggression in Ukraine. What else came out of this summit? The other big outcome of this summit is that the African Union was admitted as a full G20 member. And this is something that Narendra Modi, the Indian prime minister, had been proposing. He, He wrote to G20 leaders back in June, um, asking them to admit the AU as a member. India succeeded in this. So it's a, it's a concrete outcome that you've got Africa sitting directly at the table. Until now, you've just had um, South Africa as the sole, sole representative of the continent in the G20. Yeah, speaking of India, the summit was a key moment for the country's Prime Minister Narendra Modi. How did he make out? I think this was an unadulterated win both for India and for Modi personally. It's worth remembering he's going into an election um, early next year. The G20 presidency, it's basically a a routine duty, but India sort of parlayed it into this year-long festival and celebration of all things Indian. They almost ran it like, uh, you know, as if they were holding the Olympics. And India also kind of amplified its role as a voice of the global South. John, just out of curiosity, what, if anything, did this summit signal to you about the strength of the G20? I think it's a good moment for the principle of multilateralism, which has been seriously frayed um, over the past couple of years. 
starting with COVID, which set off this race to the bottom in some cases, to the war in Ukraine, uh, which obviously divided Russia and its allies on, on the one side and democracies on the other. The G20 was looking like it wasn't fit for purpose anymore. And India managed to produce both some actual results. And that's kind of a small miracle. That was the FT's South Asia Bureau Chief John Reed in New Delhi. Thanks, John. Thanks, Mark. PwC is giving up on tens of millions of dollars in consulting work. The big four firm is telling U.S. clients that they'll stop offering some advisory services. It's part of PwC's wider revamp of its audit work, and it's meant to reduce the risk of conflicts of interest. There's this big worldwide debate happening right now over how accounting firms stay independent when auditing companies they also consult. Clients are becoming less tolerant of conflicts, and reputational concerns in the profession are making it harder to attract young people. A lot of people see PwC's move as a challenge to other firms to follow suit. It would be a tough pill to swallow, though. Public disclosures show big four firms sold $1.5 billion of tax and miscellaneous consulting services to U.S.-listed clients last year. Venezuelan bonds are rallying. Investors are betting that the government is getting close to a diplomatic breakthrough with the U.S. Washington and Caracas have been holding secretive talks for a while now, and an agreement could lead to softer U.S. sanctions. Here to talk more about this is the FT's Latin America editor, Michael Stott. Hi, Michael. Hi. Why are investors so optimistic, Michael? They're optimistic because... They believe, based on information in some cases that is leaking out of the talks, that an agreement might be announced in a week or two. The skepticism, in my part, is based a little bit on the fact we've been here before. We had a rally in bond prices earlier in the year, and it came to nothing. Uh, The talks didn't have a breakthrough, and they went back into hibernation. Now we're, we're another of those moments where we might be close to an agreement. Now, what can you tell us about this potential deal between the U.S. and Venezuela? Well, the hope on the part of the U.S. administration would be that Venezuela shows it's prepared to make some concrete moves towards free and fair presidential elections next year. If it sees concrete steps, the administration has said it would be ready to consider relief from some of the sanctions, the very harsh economic sanctions that were imposed on Venezuela by President Trump's administration. That would be the ideal. The problem has been that so far, President Nicolas Maduro, who's now been in power 10 years in Caracas, has not given much sign that he is really interested in making any any of those real concessions. I mean, what, what people tend to say in Caracas is Maduro doesn't want to hold an election that he might lose. Uh, and it remains to be seen whether, whether that's changed. So bond investors like the idea of a deal. What kind of shape are Venezuelan bonds in generally? Well, they they trade at deeply distressed levels, and that's because Venezuela defaulted on $60 billion of of debt uh, issued under New York law in 2017 uh, and has not been paying coupons. So they are, for the the brave only, rather like uh, Cuban bonds, and you only buy them if you believe that something fundamentally is going to change in Venezuela. So they were trading at about eight to nine cents in the dollar a few weeks ago. Now they're trading near a 10 to 11 cents on the dollar. So 
that might not sound like much, but of course, as a percentage rise, it's, it's pretty significant. And this rise is just on the speculation that a deal could get done and the U.S. could ratchet down sanctions. How much of an impact do you think an actual deal would have on the Venezuelan bond market? It could be very big. It could be very big indeed, because if the Venezuelan government is able to get some sanctions relief, obviously their priorities are to get sanctions relief on oil exports first and foremost, and on companies being able to deal with the state oil company, PDVSA. If they could get those things and Venezuela could start to really drill and pump oil on a significant scale again, then of course it starts to become able to pay interest on the bonds. And at that point, the bonds start being worth many times more than they are currently. So the upside is very big, and that's what draws speculative investors to these bonds. Michael Stott is the FT's Latin America editor. Thanks, Michael. Thank you. Australia's largest pension fund is betting big on the digital frontier. The pension fund is called Australian Super, and it's investing 1.5 billion euros into Vantage data centers, which is one of the largest data center businesses in Europe. Australian Super's investment reflects a pivot away from the struggling traditional property sector, you know, the one that focuses on things like malls and offices, and it's a move toward infrastructure that houses servers and computer hardware. Data centers are becoming more and more appealing to investors since they're needed for the booming cloud computing and artificial intelligence industries. Australian Super manages nearly $300 billion in assets, and sources indicate that this minority investment into Vantage is meant to kickstart a broader involvement. Before we go, the embattled president of Spanish soccer has stepped down. Luis Rubiales announced his resignation in an interview with Pierce Morgan yesterday. About my resignation, yes, I'm going to do. I'm going, going to resign. Yeah, I'm going to, yes, because I cannot continue my work. What was the final moment? FIFA had already suspended Rubiales from the role after he forcibly kissed Spain's star player Jenny Hermoso at an award ceremony. The team had just won the Women's World Cup. Hermoso filed a formal sexual assault complaint with Spanish prosecutors last week. You can read more on all of these stories at ft.com for free when you click the links in our show notes. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation... Partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024.